Take your Bibles and turn to Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4, that will be our first reading this morning. And if you'd like, place a marker there because we'll be spending most of our time in the book of Proverbs. We'll be flipping back a little bit, but the majority of the passages that we read this morning will be from this book of Proverbs. As Brother Jacob mentioned, we are so grateful for your presence. We do have a good number with us, and we do have several visitors. We're grateful that you've come our way. We hope you'll come back any chance you have to come and worship with us. This morning, we're going to continue a series of lessons we started last week, looking at lessons that we can learn from the book of Proverbs. Last week, we kind of had a short introduction to the book. We talked about who wrote the book, the writing style of the book. And if you remember, we said that there were five main themes of the book that we're going to be looking at in this series of lessons. And once again, if there's something else that you would like to hear about, if there's something that you think I need to expound upon, just let me know, and I'll be happy to do a few more lessons. But for the sake of this series, there's going to be five main themes that we're going to be looking at from the book of Proverbs. The first theme that we're going to look at is wisdom. When you think of Proverbs, Proverbs is synonymous with wisdom. And in fact, the wise man tells us that wisdom is probably the most important thing. Notice here in Proverbs chapter 4, Starting in verse 5, the wise man writes, Get wisdom, get understanding, do not forget nor turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her, and she will preserve you. Love her, and she will keep you. Now notice verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Your version may say it's the main thing. When we use that word principle, we're saying it's the important thing. He says, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom, and in all you're getting, get understanding. When we think about wisdom, let's ask ourselves the question, what is wisdom? If you were to go to the dictionary, and I always like to go to dictionary.com to, to look up these words, uh, but if you look at it, the dictionary defines wisdom as the quality or state of being wise. Now, I'll be honest, the first little sentence there, you're thinking, well, that's kind of an obvious statement, is it not? It really doesn't help us define what the word is, but I really like the second part of this definition. Notice it says, it is knowledge of what is true or right, coupled with just judgment as to action. Now, I want you to think about this. This is a secular definition of this word. But even in this definition, we see two basic biblical principles about wisdom. First, I would suggest to you that even in this definition, we see that wisdom says that there is right and there is wrong. Do you notice that? Even in this secular, looking at it from a worldly viewpoint, wisdom by itself, by its very own definition, says there is right and there is wrong. In our society, in the world that we live in today, people don't like absolutes. People don't like things being black and white, as we often call them. We like to gray things. We like to muddy the waters in a lot of ways. But wisdom says, no, there is right and there is wrong. There is just and there is unjust. There's moral and there is immoral. And from a spiritual perspective, there is righteous and there is unrighteous. It defines things. That's what wisdom does. And the second biblical principle we see here in this, in this definition, you cannot have wisdom without knowledge and without action. 
I know we're getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. We'll talk about more of those in the next lesson, Lord willing. But you cannot have wisdom without knowing, without knowledge, and without doing something, without action. Those are two biblical principles that we see even in this definition of the word. If we were to ask ourselves, what's a good biblical definition of wisdom? I would suggest go to Matthew chapter 7. I think Jesus tells us one of the best definitions of this word wisdom. We see, we know in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, we have what we often refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus spends these chapters talking about his kingdom, talking about his expectations for those who are going to be his disciples, right? And he ends this with a story that's very familiar to us. We grow up singing this song. Our children know this song. The wise man built his house upon the rock, right? But in verse 24, there is such a key thing that we need to understand what Jesus is telling us. In verse 24, Jesus says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Conversely, we see the foolish man. He hears the sayings of Jesus, but he doesn't do them. That's what causes him to be foolish. Wisdom is knowing what to do and doing it. That is the definition of wisdom. It's knowledge and it's actions. That's what Jesus tells us wisdom is. Well, I think we need to ask ourselves, well, why is wisdom so important? These are things that we know. We understand why wisdom is important, but let's just take a step back and make sure that we all come to a good understanding of why wisdom is important. It's interesting when you go just through the book of Proverbs. I did a quick little search uh, last night when I was putting this sermon together. The word wisdom occurs about 54 times in the book of Proverbs. Now I'm talking specifically just the New King James Version. New American Standard, English Standard, New International, it might have a few more. And I will note that in my search, I did notice as I was going through all the instances of wisdom, it would often count the little heading sections. So, you know, it might not be exactly 54, but it's close. Wisdom is used a lot of times in the book of Proverbs. And right along with wisdom, the word wise Wise is used 69 times just in the book of Proverbs. The wise man spends a lot of time talking about wisdom, being wise. It was important to Solomon. We need wisdom. Why do we need wisdom? Well, let's go back to Proverbs and let's go to Proverbs chapter 1. Once again, from the very beginning of the book in verse 2, he talks about to know wisdom, to know understanding and instruction. Well, in verse 7, he says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Wisdom is so important. It's so vital to us if we want to be pleasing to God. If we want to be, be one of his children, if we want to please him and do his will, we must have a, a wisdom. We must have wisdom in order to please God. Look over a few chapters in chapter 8. You know, I think one of the best ways to understand why something is so important is to understand the value of it. In Proverbs chapter 8, the wise man talks about how valuable wisdom is. Notice starting in verse 10. 
He says, receive my, my instruction and not silver and knowledge and knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is better than rubies and all the things one may desire cannot be compared with her. You know, what is wisdom worth? Wisdom is far more valuable than the most precious stones that we have in this life. It's more valuable than gold. It's more valuable than silver. That's what the wise man says here. Get wisdom. Why? Because it's valuable. It's priceless. It's worth something. It has great value. Well, let's go back to chapter 2. Proverbs chapter 2, and let's read verses 1 through 9. We already read chapter 1, verse 7, talking about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Notice in chapter 2, starting in verse 1. He says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure my commands within you, so that you incline your ear to wisdom and apply your heart to understanding, yes, if you cry out for discernment and lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as for hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk uprightly. He guards the path of justice and preserves the way of his saints. Then you will understand righteousness and justice, equity, and every good path. Notice here, it gives understanding of the fear of the Lord. That is something that we all need, right? The fear of the Lord, that understanding, that honor, that respect of God. That's what wisdom does. Wisdom gives us these things. So why is wisdom important? You know, we could have easily said because Jesus says to be wise, right? And that would have been a fine answer. But the Proverbs writer goes into more detail. Look at what wisdom does. It's more valuable than silver and gold and rubies. It helps us understand the fear of the Lord. Wisdom is important. If we want to be pleasing to God, we must have wisdom. Well, let me ask you another question. From where does wisdom come? I know that sounds kind of odd. I'm trying to get better about my grammar. I first wrote, where does wisdom come from? You know, grammatically, that's incorrect, right? You never want to end a sentence with a preposition. I'm trying to get better. But from where does wisdom come? What's the source of it? What do we base our wisdom upon? Because when we look at the Bible, the Bible makes a clear distinction of different types of wisdom. Go to James chapter 3. James chapter 3. In my Bible, the little heading of this section says heavenly versus demonic wisdom. Notice starting in verse 13, James writes and says, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, 
full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. James makes it very clear that there's different types of wisdom, does he not? There's earthly, demonic wisdom, and then there's heavenly wisdom. So hopefully that kind of clears up this question, from where does our wisdom come? You know, what is the basis? Who do we get our wisdom from? Is it from earthly wisdom, demonic wisdom, or is it from above? Because the Bible makes it very clear that we can believe ourselves to be wise, but really we're fools. Look over in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, Paul is talking about the, the wrath of God is going to be poured out on the unrighteous. And he goes through and talks about some of these things that man has done, how they became futile in their thoughts. They tried to replace God and they tried to get rid of God. Well, notice in verse 22, he says, men profess to be wise, they became fools. Well, how do they do that? They changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible men. And birds and four-footed animals and creeping things, therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness and the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves. Once again, that idea, we can believe that we are wise. We can believe that we have wisdom. But in the sight of God, we're fools. In the sight of God, we have spurned the heavenly wisdom and we have embraced the demonic wisdom. Look over in 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, once again, the heading in my Bible says, Avoid worldly wisdom. Notice in verse 18. Paul says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, or the word of life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. And you are Christ, and Christ is God's. Ask yourself the question, do we follow worldly wisdom? Brethren, I'm going to tell you right now that there could be a whole series of lessons talking about worldly wisdom, could there not? Think about some of the wisdom that our society, that our country buys into. Worldly wisdom says that a child should not be called a child until it is viable outside the womb. What does, world, what does godly wisdom say? Godly wisdom says that it's a baby in the womb. Worldly wisdom says, you know, as long as you're sincere in your worship to God, then God is going to accept that. Godly wisdom says, if you love me, keep my commandments. Worldly wisdom says, you know, gender needs to be neutral. You know, it, it's fluid. You know, let kids choose. Do they want to be a girl? Do they want to be a boy? Do they not want to be identified as either? That's what worldly wisdom says. Godly wisdom says, in the beginning, God made them male and female. When we look at worldly wisdom, and there are so many more examples that we could look at, what are we going to follow? Are we going to follow worldly wisdom or are we going to look to God? 
and follow godly, heavenly wisdom from above, what are we going to follow? Because going back to Proverbs now, let's go back to Proverbs chapter 3 and understand that true wisdom comes from God. In chapter 3 and verse 7, the wise man says, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Wisdom does not come from us. Isn't it interesting that we are studying a book about wisdom? We are studying a book written by what we would probably consider to be the wisest man, besides Jesus, the wisest man that ever lived, right? Where did he get his wisdom? What made Solomon so smart? Was it because he read so much? Was it because he was so learned and he was so curious and he just wanted to find out all these things? No, we know where his wisdom came from. It came from God. True wisdom comes from God. And God's wisdom is far above anything that we have. I think about passages like Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, right? For my ways are not your ways, says the Lord, nor my thoughts your thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. God is on a different plane than us. I mean, if we think that we're wise, God is so far above that. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, remember Paul is talking about the foolishness of the cross. You know, the Greeks, uh, they, they seek after knowledge. The Jews, they want a sign. But what God has given is the message of the cross. He says it's foolishness to those who are lost. It's a stumbling block to the Jews. It's foolishness to the Greeks. And in verse 25, Paul says the foolishness of God. Now, Paul is not calling God foolish. Paul is not saying that there's any foolishness in God. But he's saying that even if there was foolishness of God, that the foolishness of God is still wiser than the wisdom of man. Even if there was something that was foolish in God, it is still wiser than anything that man could come up with. From where does our wisdom come? Is it heavenly wisdom or is it worldly wisdom? Let's ask ourselves, how do we obtain wisdom? And we've already kind of talked about this a little bit, but how do we obtain wisdom? Going back to Proverbs chapter 2 now, we've already read this verse, but let's read it again. The wise man says, The Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The Lord is the one who gives wisdom. But notice in verse 4, it says, You got a seeker, you got a search. Yes, God is going to give wisdom. It comes from God. But God is not just going to magically impart wisdom. One of my favorite teachers in high school, I'll never forget, we would be in class, and uh, I was always really bad about falling asleep in class. I would always fall asleep. And I remember she would always wake me up and just say, how do you expect to learn this? Do you expect to learn by osmosis? You know, laying on a book, do you expect it just to magically come into your mind and that's how you're going to learn? Well, of course she's being silly. But sometimes I wonder if that's the way we expect God to give us things, right? God, I'm going to, we'll talk about this in a little bit. I'm going to pray for wisdom, so, so give me wisdom, right? Well, what does God say? Seek wisdom. Search for it. It reminds me a lot of what Jesus says in Matthew 6, verse 33, right? 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. God's kingdom is all around us. God's kingdom is everywhere, but you still have to seek after it. You have to want it. You have to want to find it. God gives wisdom, but you've got to seek after it. We already mentioned this verse, but in James 1 and verse 5, James simply says, if any of you lack wisdom, what do you do? You pray about it. You ask God, and James says, God will give you liberally what you want. Let's read that verse in James chapter 1. Paraphrase a little bit, but sometimes paraphrasing gets me in trouble. So let's just read James chapter 1 and verse 5. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Pray to God about it. Can I suggest to you this morning that it takes wisdom to know that you lack wisdom? I know that sounds kind of silly, right? But it takes wisdom to know I need more wisdom. Well, James says pray to God. You know, we pray to God for all, that, all sorts of things, right? We pray for health. We pray for safety. And I'm not saying that's bad. Those are things that we should pray for. When's the last time you asked God to help you? Help me love more. Help me study more. Help me gain wisdom. You know, we always laugh and say, never pray for patience, right? Because God will send you things to test your patience, and that's how you'll get more patience. But when's the last time you prayed, give me wisdom? James says, God will give you liberally. But notice how we have to ask. Look in verse 6. Ask in faith, with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. When we're praying to God, do we doubt about it? You know, when we're praying for God to heal somebody, do we think, man, I sure hope God can. Of course he can. Of course God has the power to do that. James says, you don't doubt. When you pray to God and you ask God for something, there is nothing too hard for our God. There is nothing too difficult for our God. You ask him in faith. You say, God, I need wisdom. Help me find wisdom. Help me seek out wisdom. And you know that God will help you. God will provide that. Trust that he will guide. Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will guide your path. Trust that God is going to guide us. God will provide. Look over in 2 Timothy chapter 3. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We all know verses 16 and 17, right? You know, I'm afraid, and, and I've said this before, and I fully believe that we, and I'm pointing at preachers and teachers, sometimes we like to um, sermonize verses. You know, I've said that before, right? And what I mean is, we find verses that prove a point, and I'm not suggesting that it's a bad point. I'm not suggesting it's points that we shouldn't be making because we look at chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped unto every good work, right? How many times have we heard just, just me quote that verse? Quite a bit, right? And what lessons do we learn from that? Well, all scripture is inspired by God, absolutely. All scripture should be used to teach, absolutely. 
that God's word completes us and it tells us every good work, uh, those are great lessons, are they not? But, you know, I was kind of chuckling at myself a little bit and I was thinking, I can quote verses 16 and 17. Can I quote verses 14 and 15? Yeah, I, don't, I don't preach from those as much. But let's jump up to verse, four, verse 14. He says, but you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Now all scripture is given by inspiration of God. When's the last time you heard that connection made between all scripture... And it making us wise to salvation. That's an obvious point, but don't miss that disconnect, or don't miss that connection that Paul makes here. Don't just sermonize verses 16 and 17. No, look at the context here. Isn't it amazing how Paul says, the scriptures make us wise, and then all scriptures is profitable for these things, right? The scriptures is that which can make us wise. That's why when you go through the book of Psalms, there are so many psalms that talk about needing to love the Word of God. In Psalm 1, verses 2 and 3, the psalmist talks about how the man who is planted by the waters, right? Who is that? It's the one who loves God's law. He meditates on it day and night. Do we meditate on God's Word? You know, when Brother Nick was here and he was preaching, he talked about how, you know, not saying they're bad, but the Bible reading plans, you know, it's a checklist, and he's exactly right. I, I've done those before. And it's like, oh, well, I've got to get my chapters in. You know, it's midnight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my chapters in. Next morning, what did you read? Well, I read the Bible. <laughs> no, what did you actually read? First Kings? <laughs> Can you really truly remember what you read? That's not meditating on God's Word. Do we meditate the way that we should? In Psalm 119, you know, most people just think about that as being the longest chapter in the Bible, right? What's interesting is you go, to go through Psalm 119, how many times the psalmist talks about God's word and the love of God's word. Psalm 119, verse 97, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation day and night. Same principle as Psalm 1, right? What about verse, verse 105? That's a psalm that we know quite often. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You know, do we let God's word truly guide us, lead us, Point us in the right direction? Is that what we let God's Word do? Do we have that love of God's Word? Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5? Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Do we have that need, that yearning, that desire, as Peter would say in 1 Peter chapter 2, desire the sincere or pure milk of the Word that you may grow thereby? Do we have that? Where do we obtain wisdom? We obtain wisdom from God, and we obtain it from His Word. Last thing this morning. Let's think about some benefits of wisdom. We've talked about how it's important. We've talked about how it's important to know where it comes from. We've talked about where, how do we obtain it. Well, let's talk about some benefits of it. We're going back to Proverbs. Let's go to Proverbs chapter 3. We're not going to read all these verses this morning for time's sake. But in Proverbs 3, verses 13 through 26, I want to notice some of the things that the wise man says wisdom 
will benefit us. Look at verse 13. He says, Happy is the man who finds wisdom. Do we often equate happiness and wisdom together? Maybe we should. Maybe the next time you're feeling unhappy, go to God's Word. Look at the wisdom we find in there. Because the wise man says, happy is the man who finds wisdom. Look at verse 16. Once again, talking about wisdom, he says, length of days is in her right hand, in her left hand riches and honor. Length of days, riches, honor. Now remember, Proverbs is generally speaking. It's not a guarantee. But this is what wisdom can give us. Do we love wisdom? Are we seeking after her? These are things, isn't it interesting, these things where, where we think back to Solomon and his interaction with God, when God asked him what he wants, you know, and Solomon asked for wisdom, but because he asked wisdom, God says, I'm going to give you riches. I'm going to give you honor, and I'm going to give you length of days. They go hand in hand a lot of times. Look at verse 17. Her ways are of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. Isn't it amazing how many times we look at somebody, and we all know people like this, you know, no matter how heated a situation can become, how, how heated an argument can become, someone who always is able to say the right thing, right? They never lose their cool. And we look at that and say, man, that person was so wise in their dealings with that person. That's just one example. But wisdom can lead to peace. Verse 22, so there will be life to your soul and grace to your neck. Wisdom can give life. Physical life, absolutely. Think about times where you don't act foolishly. You don't, you don't do something silly and you don't put your life at risk. But I think in a different way from a spiritual perspective, right? Wisdom can lead to spiritual life. Let's read verses 23 through 26. Then you will walk safely in your way, and your foot will not stumble. When you lie down, you will not be afraid. Yes, you will lie down, and your sleep will be sweet. Do not be afraid of sudden terror, nor of trouble from the wicked when it comes, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. Safety and confidence. You know, that's something that I think a lot, of, a lot of people in the world are missing, don't you? That confidence. Because the opposite of confidence is being anxious, is it not? Anxiety. Do you think more people are more anxious today than they were, you know, three years ago? I think they are for the, for the most part. How do we overcome that? Through wisdom. Wisdom provides safety. And confidence, not arrogance, but confidence that we find only in God and only in Jesus. Take out your song books. Turn it up, Brother Chris Selected. Wisdom wants to be found. That's one of the themes that we saw in Proverbs. Wisdom, it cries out in the street. It wants to be found, but there are going to be few who find it. 
we think about the little the little common saying that we often use. You know, common sense really isn't all that common, is it? Wisdom wants to be found. The question for us is, are we doing everything that we can to ensure that we're finding godly wisdom? Not worldly, not demonic, but heavenly wisdom. Wisdom is more than just studying and meditating. Am I saying that studying and meditating are important? Absolutely not. But wisdom is more than that. We've already made reference to this verse, but John 14, verse 15 if you love me, keep my commandments. Obedience. Yes, you have to know. You have to meditate. You have to have wisdom. But true wisdom is found in obedience to God. Limitation should be obvious, shouldn't it? Have we obeyed God? Are we doing things His way? Or have we bought into the idea that, that I can decide how I want to worship God? I can decide how I want to do things. Are we looking to His will and to His word? This morning, if you're here and you need to be baptized, worldly wisdom says baptism is not necessary for salvation. Godly wisdom says he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. He who does not believe shall be condemned. If you're here this morning and you need to obey the gospel, there's no better time than right now. But I believe that those of us here who have reached that age of accountability, we've all become Christians. We've all put on the name of Christ. And so I'll ask us once again, are we gaining godly wisdom? Are we wise in the sight of God or are we wise in our own sights? Are we following his ways or are we wanting to do things our way? This morning, if there's sin in your life that's separating you from God, if there are things that you need help with, things that you're struggling with, then we're here for you. We'll pray with you. We'll study with you. We'll do everything that we can. Because at the end of the day, we all want to get to heaven. This morning, if there's anyone subject to the invitation, will you let us know as we stand and as we sing this song?